Hi everybody, welcome to episode 142 of the Spartans in Pajamas podcast. I am your very ill host, Loz, and as always, we've got Doll. Hello. And I think that's it. You've got Star in the background, but she's a bit on though. Yeah, and um, we might have Bob if... Um, she's having technical issues, can't yeah. we? Well, she's, she either had a phone call, and that's what we heard, or she's having issues. But um, mm. she'll be back at some point. Um, we might have others, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, as you can tell, winter is upon me, so my voice is fucked, and I feel like hammered shit. So, yeah, yeah thankfully this is going to be a short podcast because we have about half a dozen. Uh, uh, no, not really. She's like eight, maybe nine. Yeah, and we don't have Lala tonight, so she's not she's not very well. Uh, she might turn up tomorrow. I don't think we're going to be rambling. For nearly as long as we did last time. <sighs> oh yeah. Uh, uh, I had a beer festival and it kind of wiped me out and I still haven't fully recovered yet. So. Mm-hmm. I only worked two of the days that we were open. Oh no, I worked three of the four actually. I didn't work the Thursday, but I worked. <laughs> and uh... Was it Saturday night? I got home at half one. Well, I didn't get home at half one. I left the pub at half one in the morning. Uh, I know I was back at one in the morning in the afternoon to fucking do the last day. So, Oof. yeah, and Monday was kind of a non-start for me. And then, because uh, I had a really thick headache. So. How about you, Dolph? How are you? Uh, yeah, same shit, different day, really. Yeah. yeah getting the bit up to Christmas. Now the theatre starting the panto in two weeks' time, so they're currently under panto rehearsals, so no theatre for the for two weeks or so. Alright. Do you uh, get paid while it's shut down, or is it like... Uh, nope. You only get paid nope, it's, a, it's contractually, uh, technically a zero-hour contract, so I only get paid when I work. Ah, oh, that sucks. Yeah, unfortunately. It's free business, unfortunately. Yeah, but you're going to be busy with, with, a couple of weeks, though, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yes. When the panto started, it's going to be fucking constant. Yeah. I think the first show, uh, the even show, is sold out. Huh. Very nice. But with the pub, uh, you know, again, Chris in front of the corner, getting busy. Mm-hmm. Arsenal are coming out more and en masse. Yeah, yeah. You know. I do feel like Christmas bingo is uh, it should start wank of the week. Well, yeah, once you hear wank of bingo, did I tell you? I can't remember if I told it this in the podcast or not, but I bought a wrestling belt with real fake plastic. Remember something about it? Yeah, someone's got to take it off you uh, as um getting like the was like a bingo card for wank of the week. Well, I think it runs through. I think we're running it through till Christmas Eve. So, like Christmas Eve is the last shift it runs through. It's about, about three, four weeks, huh? Yeah, because it will. It'll steadily ramp up to twatty, to twatty, to twatty, to twatty. So, the twatet as yeah. well. Oh yeah, there'll be some fucking choice twats. Um, what do we know? Yeah. So yeah, I've got that ready to go. I'm gonna walk in Christmas Eve, strutting around with it on my shoulder. <laughs> I told my boss, and he's like, "That's fucking funny." 
because I, I said because I'm the back to back champion, I felt like I needed to do something. If someone won it this year, I just I just hand it over at the end. <laughs> yeah. So while we've been speaking out of work, we're going to we'll slide right to our first topic. Uh, basically, a PSA for Hotel itself. Oh, you know, the Christmas period. Yes, indeed. Don't be a dick to hospitality staff, please. Stop They're being there. cunts. We're just doing yep. our job. Yeah. If you're a bit cold, okay, we'll go. We, we, we heat up for you. Don't be a dick about it and cause a scene. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, don't, mistakes happen. Yeah, mistakes happen. Don't fucking kick off at us when we don't do what every other pub does, because not every other pub does the same drinks. Because nope. this is what we'll get. And it's like, you don't do John Smith? No, we don't do John Smith. Well, Pub Across Road does John Smith. So well, good for them. I'll go to them then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't do Stella either. Yeah. Oh, not a very good pub, are you? I'm like, we're a real L pub. What the fuck do you want from us? <laughs> we used to do Stella, but they uh, whacked the price up. And well, the company's like, ah, nah, we're not, we're not playing about them. We've never done Stella, never done John Smith. And our pub's been open 14 years as last weekend. We did. We used to do Foster's as well, but the same reason they went the prize up per barrel, and we had to sell the butt part and nearly five fifty just to make a fucking profit. A fizzy, shitty piss is what mm-hmm. Foster's is. Also, five fifty for a pint of Foster's. I'd rather piss in my own mouth than drink that shit. It's almost bad, bad as um Castlemaine Four X, isn't it? Oh, I mean Castlemaine Four X. I remember drinking that in the day. It's marginally better than Foster's. Marginally. And what about Grosh? Uh. Really drink that much of Grosh, but it also costs way more than the other two. Hmm. Probably because the fucking bottles were fucking weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah, the bottles are like a little. You know, do you know those jam jars you get, which have yeah, little little, little, little clips? Yeah, yes, that that was on them. So I was like, well, okay, why not just do a lid, like yeah, a bottle cap? Yeah, because you know the fucking crazy Dutch. We've got to make ourselves stand out and charge you more for a unique bottle. I honestly think if Grosh still is sold here in the UK, they will not have that bottle top. No, nah, because reasons. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Welcome back. Sorry, my dad rung me. No, nah, yeah, we, we figured. Wednesday. <laughs> um, we... Don't forget to put some stuff on Tesco's. All right, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, how you been, Bob's? All right. You got a doggo, didn't you? Yeah. It's a cute little thing. Got my own little star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're just on the hospitality staff, which also could go to general like uh, phone staff and stuff like that. This time of year, people just go extra shitty on people. Well, I guess anyone really reserved who works in with the public, mate, really. Yeah, customer face position yeah. yeah so even yeah. um retail as well uh, yeah. hotelier uh, bistro restaurant hospitality you know all that kind of thing uh, don't be a dick towards yeah. the staff please yeah yeah but we're about to go through to our busiest period of the year and mistakes will fucking happen oh yes yes they will the, the other yes, thing worse will. though is when we've got some of the the lasses on and some fucking meathead who's had too many roids is like, oh, I'll fucking take you home, darling, and wrap you. And you have to turn, like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck is wrong with you? 
And like we we Yeah, we had like one guy that was following around our glass collector and she's seventeen. And I was like, dude. Right. She's literally That's the same age as my son. Will you just fuck off? Yeah, yeah we've got we've got um some posters spotted around in the toilets, especially for the ladies and and, and for the men as well, because it's not a um it's not a one sex size thing anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, basically, basically you are you ask for a you go to the staff and ask for a name. Yeah. That says to yeah. us okay, you're having an issue. So we'll take them out of the view of the public to somewhere a bit more quieter and yeah. ask what's I going think, on. Think, and what they need help or shall we get them out there? Yeah. Well we've got them in our yeah. as well. We've got them in the men's and the ladies, so mm-hmm. yeah. it's basically like if you're having a shit date and you want to get out of it, you just go to the bar and ask for the person. And then we're like, Oh yeah, yeah she's just in the back, come and hang out here a sec and then we're like, Hey, what's up with you? Yeah. And if we need to like sneak yeah. them out the side door or get them a taxi, we'll just like ping them out the side door or whatever. Yeah. It's it's more likely to happen this time of year really because alcohol's on the menu. Oh yes. Been excessive. Has anybody actually asked for that person? No, I'm, I'm kind of dreading when someone does. To be fair, because mm-hmm. it's kind of it's a complete new system for us that we've um, been told to, to to use. Yeah, yeah. But normally what, that kind of thing. What, what normally, you have it gets... to do. Like... Say again. It's probably a silly question, but obviously, what what is your procedure when that person asks for? Uh, we ask them questions, you know, are they, do they feel safe? Do they feel threatened? Do they want us to get one of their friends they're with to mm. come and speak to them and see if they can get them a ride home? Because we're in a bit of a unique position because where our cellar is behind the bar, we also have an, a doorway access out onto the yard. Yeah. So that would mm. be the most uh, secluded space for them to get out because it's out of the view of the public. Yeah. It's in the car park where we drop off all the... Um, Deliveries, and we can get them from there because there's no windows out that way except from the kitchen. So it's a very yeah. uh, secure way and get someone out the building. Yeah. Oh, I, I never was able to confirm the next one, by the way, uh, Dolph. Uh, which was. Yeah, so the, there was a rumor going around that we haven't unfortunately been able to clarify, but there was a rumor stated that the old Freddo Chucky bars from. Uh, younger years, uh, maybe uh, being discontinued, but we haven't really fortunately found anything to solidify the evidence. Well, th- this was weird. My mum had said that it was on BBC News, and then I went and Googled, like, discontinuing Freddo bars, uh, which is what they are, Cabbage Freddo, and there's nothing about it. So did my mum mishear it, or have mm. they just not thought it was that much of a uh, a thing? Like a... Yeah. I remember when Freddo's used to be like, what, 5, 10p, didn't they? Now they're bloody, um... Yeah, they're not like 50, 60p a a thing now. They're not cheap. And I can understand why they'd end up being discontinued, because they're pricing themselves out of the market. If you're buying a 60p Freddo, you might as well buy a Kit Kat or a a Twix or something else, something a little bit more substantial. That's around the same price. While we're on the um, topic of uh, discontinued chocolate bars, I quickly put this in the Discord. And we can have a little read. We can have a little read along. Yeah, like you put in in Freddo bar in like Google, it just comes up with now Aldi is accused of ripping off Cadbury's Freddo chocolate bar with a chocolate bar of their own called Dino. I'll be like Sony just added the caterpillar cake a while back. Yeah. 
So different chin drop bars we have had for the last, I'd like to say, 30 years or so. So you've had Cadbury's Aztec, which is basically the early version of Mars bar. Mm. So that was oh, a mixture man. of chocolate, caramel, and nougat. You nougat, get time nougat. out bars. Fuck off. Uh, very select stores, I think. My mum gives me my fucking snapbag for work all the time. <laughs> I sound like a child, but I do. I really do. So you had Cadbury Astros, which is a... Uh, like biscuit balls and chocolate crispy shell, a bit like a, a crispy M&M, &M, essentially. Ooh, yeah, I like them. Mm. Uh, Cadbury's like Snowflake was literally the Cadbury's uh, flake with um, like white chocolate over it, I think. It was a white chocolate flake with uh, normal chocolate over the top of it. Oh, yeah, no, we don't. No, no. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cadbury's Nuts About Caramel. Oh, caramel with nut in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cadbury's Dream. Oh, I remember that. It was... Mm. Although they have been spotting them B&M stores recently, so they may be making a comeback. No, no, it's mm. due to flooding. Mm. Yeah. There was, uh, Mars, there was Mars Delight, basically oh, a fluffier, creamier version of the Mars bar. I kind of remember that. Mm. Uh, time out, as you said. Yeah, that you know, that still exists. That fucking still exists. Considering yeah, like, there's... literally our local, like, Morrisons has them. So. There's a there's a channel bar called 54321. I'm assuming that's a more of a... Uh, well, made of one? wafer fondant, crisp rice, caramel, and milk chocolate. They'll have all the advert, <laughs> plus you spot the late, great Rick Mel playing an astronaut? Huh? Okay. I'll have to look that up afterwards. I don't remember that one, to be honest. No. I'm going to see if uh, this video is unavailable, so no, I can't look it up. Uh, McVitie's Penguin Flipper Dipper. Huh? What? I like the, I like um, the thing here. I don't want to sound like, like a Karen. No offense, Karen. But I'd like to speak to McVitie's manager to find out why these chocolate flavored biscuits with vanilla chocolate, uh, vanilla and chocolate flavored dip were discontinued. I think. Oh, but are those, but are those um, KP um, breadstick chocolate dips kind of thing? I'm assuming. Yeah. I, I feel like. Okay. Is uh... it K HP or KP? I forget. Uh, you had the round, round trees cabana. Huh? Based like a bounty with added chunks of cherry. Ew. I yeah. Have, yeah. So you could possibly have a problem with that, me. Ugh. I have a bounties by themselves are just bad enough. Bounties, bounties with a cherry in. Yeah, I don't like I don't like coconut or cherry. Fuck that shit right off. I just don't like coconut full I stop. Like cherry, but coconut and cherry together. Mm mm. I don't know. Mm mm. Yeah. No. Uh, you've got Nestle's vice versus, which were minstrels. basically iconic cinema snacks that are like minstrels, but were either milk or white chocolate inside them. With a crispy I'm shell. I'm pretty sure they still exist in some mm. form or another. I remember those as well. Yeah. The bypasses from my childhood. Nestle's Toffo. Yeah. Uh, came with uh, mint or banana flavour. Ew. Ooh. Mint. Cadbury's Fuse. I remember those. I remember, I remember the adverts. Well. I think they still. Don't blow a fuse. Eat one. Yeah. Terry's Pyramid. Or pyramid, I suppose. Pyramid, pyramid. Pyramid. Oh, a mint fa flavored, segmented, triangle, uh, pyramid shaped chocolate bar. That sounds cool. So it's basically an after eight mint in a fucking uh, in a in a pyramid shape. Kind of what a bit like a Toblerone then, kind of. Well, I was going to say that, like a yeah, but there's a no like Toblerones are triangular, aren't they? But they're like a long. Segregated yeah. triangle but there's no, kind of thing. no bollocks in it. No, uh, no, like fruit or shit in it. It's just yeah. Uh, Mars planet. I remember those. 
I remember them, yeah. As like um what like a bit like a Maltesers but more softer with a caramel container. Mm. Cadbury snaps, they're like chocolate Pringles, essentially. Oh yeah, no, they still do those. I had some last year. So unless they've discontinued uh, them since then. Uh, Cadbury's Spira. That was like the Cadbury's version of... Uh, it was like a flake again, but it was something different. Yeah, spiral shape there, if I remember, remember yeah. rightly. And you can, also, you can always serve it straight from the fridge as well, which is handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cadbury's Mint Whisper. Yeah, well, they, they occasionally bring yeah. like, mint, orange, and caramel back. So, yeah, like Christmas. I don't remember that. I don't remember the mint whisper though. Yeah, they did them. Yeah, I mean they still did. It. They they dropped the gold for one, the whisper for one, and they brought them back. They've Either never... that or good fucking find the bastards. I'm gonna say they never dropped whispers. Whispers still exist because you can get bits of whispers still. Probably more of the whisper gold then I think. Oh yeah, whisper gold. Mm. It comes and goes. Uh, McVitie's trio. Pretty sure they still do those. Yeah. Oh, they were a lunch '90s lunch staple. Hmm. Uh, there was also Nestle Secret. No idea. I can't remember what those were though. Can I watch this? No, I don't either. Um, there was another chocolate called Banjo, which was a peanut chocolate bar. What? I'm watching the video for the secret, and it's just a guy running around with a picture for the chocolate bar. Like it's got a secret. His his secret is the chocolate bar. It really doesn't... Huh? It gives it like a turd-shaped chocolate log. Ew. And then the tagline is, you can't trust anyone to keep a secret. What the fuck is that? Sounds <laughs> a shit. Is it a log? Or is it, is it poop? Or is it a chocolate bar? I don't know. I feel like I need to... I'm going to copy the link and I'm going to send it in the, uh, the Discord. I'm going to have a quick look at the 54321 bar. Uh, but that's the Nestle secret thing. I watched it without sound because I didn't want to <sighs> fucking blast the viewers' eardrums with it. But it just didn't make any fucking sense to me. But it's definitely a nineties one because it's got that lass who was in like most things in the nineties. So the five four three two one was uh, around in the mid eighties. Well, that makes that's sense. Nice. I'm still watching a fucking advert. I can't get into the fucking video. Well, I got. Quickly mute myself so this isn't coming for it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm actually kind of glad it's a short one today because fuck, am I struggling? <coughs> uh. like two days to get myself right before I go to work on Friday. I can't afford to have time off. Is it supposed to be like her address is a secret? I don't know. Like I said, it's like, what the fuck is the point of that advert? That makes no sense. He writes down something, hands her a chocolate bar that he's opened himself, and then fucks off. It's like, uh huh? What? Well, he's looking for the girl in the picture. Yeah. And then the girl that he finds in the bar obviously writes her address down, and he gives her the chocolate bar. Like, what? Yeah. Okay, so the quote unquote theme song for the 54321 bar is 54321. Uh, yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah. How original. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, 
couple of hours come and go. It's a bleak reminder of our childhood slowly uh, disappearing. I kind of just want to make a, 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 a chocolate bar called Break Stuff so I can have one biscuits. Break Stuff is the fucking advert. So I, I can add another one to that list, which I have not seen for a really fucking long time. Who remembers the, the Cadbury Pralin? Do yeah, that's like a marble yeah. category of white chocolate. Yeah, they're not nice. I didn't, I didn't mind them. I'm quite partial to white uh, chocolate. I'm sure Bob will remember these Cadbury's chocolate covered rich tea things. Uh, not fingers, but rich yeah. tea biscuits. They yeah, I'm not like them anymore. I, I people thought I was insane when I talked about them because they're like, "What? What the fuck are you on about?" And I like, googled it and I'm like, "There you go." Because Tesco made a knockoff version and they were just as good. Yeah, and they disappeared. I don't know why people don't understand that putting milk chocolate on a rich tea biscuit is fucking, like, S-tier. But, I don't know, people don't fucking understand. Uh, are, there animal, are animal bars still around? Um, Cadbury's animal yeah. cracker things. Yeah, they exist. No, they were, they, were, they were Nestle, I think, not Cadbury. Oh, yeah, you get them in Christmas, like, advent calendars and shit. And selection boxes. Yeah, uh, Caramac, I'm pretty sure, still around. Caramac exists still, yep, they're, very, they're actually quite nice. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? The, um... I've just found a picture of the Mars Delight. I remember those. I used to eat those for the... God, I used to fucking eat those. Mm. Yeah, they discontinued in 2008. Yeah, but timeout bars have not discontinued at all. They're talking bollocks. Uh, I'm going to pretty put this one in the chat, because I've actually got a, um... picture of all of them, so you can actually visualise what they actually were, see any of those you remember. So I definitely remember the vice versas. Definitely. Okay. So uh, the timeout bar was discontinued in 2016 in New York City, Japan, Canada, South America, Ireland, Poland, and the United Kingdom due to declining sales. In the UK, it was replaced with the single bar version called Timeout Wafer, which, yes, they still exist. They've just got a different thing. Which has more wafer and less chocolate than the original Timeout. But it still exists! Just under a new name. Yeah. Get Cat Caramac. Give a dog a bone. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember Kit Cat Caramac. Yeah, it was. It. It was. Um. So you know when they did like Kit Cat Chunkies? I don't think they even do Kit Cat Chunkies anymore. I never seem to see those. Yes, they do. They do still do Kit Cat Chunkies. Star eats them by the butt, Yeah, they do like a Caramac version of that. Because they, they do like orange Kit Kats and they still do like in Japan they have like like, like green tea uh, ones and stuff like that. They go hard on I those like, flavours. I like the um, honeycomb Kit Kats. They are so good. Mm. I've just I've just seen the package for McVitie's trios. I remember those. Mm. I used to goff those by the fucking packet. Wow. Going down fucking memory lane already, Jesus. We're only what on our second topic. <laughs> mm. Right, okay. All this talking about food is making me hungry. I remember Animal Bars, Caramac. I, I don't know why they're saying that that's discontinued. That's, I'm pretty sure I've still seen that one. When was this article? Yeah, Caramac's definitely. Yeah, article does not have a date on it. Oh, November 9th. Oh, this was recent. Oh, bollocks. No. Oh. Hmm. I'll be honest, I didn't even look at the um the date, to be fair. Right, so next time I go into Tesco's or anybody goes into a supermarket, 
look at the chocolate aisle. <laughs> just get the and basket. see what you can see. Oh, Tazos! <laughs> Tazos went, didn't they? White Maltesers. They they were pretty mid though. Yeah, they they then nobody needs white Maltesers. Just Maltesers. <laughs> they won't do anything to I, them. I love the quote here. White Maltesers are officially taken off the shelves in 2014 in what the brand called a difficult <laughs> decision. Not a difficult decision at all. Oh, oh, Nobody wants white monkeys. Yeah, Kit Kat caramel. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Carby timeout. Like I said, they've got the single finger one that's still going. Yeah. Uh, the flipper. Oh yeah, I remember the flipper dipper things. They they were literally just like, if you had the uh, the dips. I can't remember what they're called. Some dip. Choc choc dips. KP chocolate dips. Mm, oh, they're so Which good. They still make. They do. Yeah, cabanas don't know what the fuck they are. Snaps apparently. Well, how can snaps be discontinued in 2010? But I bought some like two years ago. That is, I, I'm pretty Maybe sure. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure that there's a knockoff version then, because they they still make them in some form, and you get them in mint. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, okay, I'm I'm done looking at that. Uh okay, what's next? Uh is the uh Oh Bob. Yeah, this was I think it was um your one, Bob. The first look at Bioshock the uh film for Netflix. Ah uh, yes. Ow, mouse you've got out your I nails. really, 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 really hope they don't fuck this up. I mean it it's looking pretty good. Yeah. It's well... looking pretty good. Because I've had it at Google as well. Um, so it's been yeah, in development since 2022. Um, experience delays, obviously, COVID and stuff. Um, but recent update from screenwriter Michael Green suggests that progress is being made. The release date for Bioshock movie hasn't been announced yet, but it's unlikely to arrive until 2026 to 27 due to ongoing script development and the resolution after the sad after strikes. Well, yeah. The issue with that is, will Netflix wait that long before they pull the plug? Netflix is shitty at doing well, something Well, that's like. the thing. You just don't know, do you? Um... So, also, it may look good, but the Halo series looked good, and then they released a hot pile of shit. Mm. Do we know who the um, director is behind doing this, or...? What um, Bob just said. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the only thing it says so far is the screenwriter, which is Michael Green. All right. Um... Isn't Lawrence Fishburne rumoured to be involved in this at some point? Possibly. Well, it depends on um... Francis Lauren, who made who wrote I Am Legend, and Michael Green wrote Logan. Oh, Logan! Um, confirmed as Green as director and screenwriter. So Francis Lawrence, who directed I Am Legend. I Am Legend is not a bad film. It's uh, an adaptation of a Mega Man, which yeah. came out in the seventies. I, I I still think that I Am Legend Two is the fucking dumbest thing they've ever done. Mm. Because they're like going, "Hey, the canon ending where he dies." Yeah, we're just fucking. We just have to do the extended, 
one where he doesn't. Yeah, no, but literally going, yeah, the one that not many people have seen, we're going with that ending instead. And it's like, you fucking what? Mm. But that's just money, SpongeBob, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, Bioshock, the, the film looks, it does look good. I want it to be good. I know it's probably, I, I'm, I'm after the, the fucking Halo film was, uh, not film, series was that's so bad. Yeah. I'm hoping that the, uh, they, they, like season two of Halo apparently is going to be different because they said they're, they're making a season two. I'm like, cool, better be more like the fucking games because this was dog yeah. shit. But they've got to resolve the the fact that they basically brain-deaded Chief and made Cortana in charge of his body. That was the ending of Halo, the TV series. Because it doesn't follow the established fucking timeline of the Halo games at all. I can I now kind of want it to be like a thing where Chief wakes up from crow sleep on the pillow of autumn and we're like, what the fuck was that dream? Because that would be great. If he was like, I had a real bad nightmare. And just that all the events of the first fucking season were just a fever dream. And we just hit... But this is I just still don't understand this. The Last of Us did it right. They just followed the script of the fucking game and made it work. Why can't you do that with, like, Halo? Why can't you do that with fucking, like, other failed video game adaptations? Why can you not just follow what they put out? The Resident Evil films have yet to do a decent Resident Evil film because they still don't follow the fucking games properly. Yep. The games have got a good horror fucking plot there if you read it. If you read the books by S.D. Perry, she fucking made an amazing uh, little series that actually had her own little narrative that she added with like extra characters and a bit more conspiracy and stuff. Why Why can't you just follow shit like that? Why can't you just adapt them like they did? Why does the Halo thing had to be dumbed down for modern audiences? Who actually played the fucking games? We played the games. We know what it's about. Why, who, are you, who are you fucking generalizing this game to? I, I didn't get it. It's like... The, but the, the thing is, it would have been a great sci-fi if you followed the, the fucking books. If you did the first season as Reach up until um, discovering Halo at the end of season one, uh, that would have worked. Because you'd have Chief's backstory, you'd have had the insurrectionists, you'd have had Sergeant Johnson, you'd have had the Covenant fights, you'd have had the fall of Reach. All in the first season. It would have been very good. And then the first, like the second season could be the, the first game. Third season could be the second game. And then uh, you could have ODSTs uh, interwoven into it as well. So you could have an ODST in, in the middle of like season two. You could have it branch off to them for book and stuff. You could have had Nathan Fillion come as Axie plays book. Ah, uh, yes. You could have literally had all the cast who voiced them come and play them because they're all actors. They could do that shit. What? Why am Why I? Why am I better at this fucking thing than they have? Why? Uh... Hollywood doesn't know what we want as an audience. That's the issue. Yeah. My original thought would an adaptation of the first, uh, like couple of books, because you could have done you could have added Contact Harvest in there. You could have added all all like the pre ramble up until Chief becomes a Spartan, and you could have done it as a CG 
instead of having live action and it wouldn't have mattered because it would have been faithful and people would have liked it but instead they went yeah captain keys is now a a strong independent black man who's uh like higher up in the in the in the actual chain of command than he should be his daughter Miranda keys also similarly a black uh lady now um uh a scientist not a a, a commander of a of a warship which is what she was uh Dr. Halsey kind of plays off the same, but she's more nefarious than she is in the in the books and the games. Cortana is just wanting to be human. That's her whole plot. That she's going to take over Chief and become human. Um, also, the fact that she can take over Chief, which is annoying. Um, in the books, all she can do is... Um, and in the in the actual the canon because the books are canon as well, all she can do is uh, improve his reaction times, or when a flood spore did manage to breach his armor, send an electrical shock through his armor and shock the flood spore that was going to infect him. So, um, he like the whole fact that like she takes over and starts wrecking things as him. <coughs> At the end of the the series was like, what the fuck is this? Like visibly, mm. like visibly impressive and looks more like how Halo should be at the end, but that's not how it works. They even make a big deal about it. It's like she lives in the suit and she interfaces between the suit and Chief's mind. She kind of lives in the middle and helps bridge the two. She doesn't actually live in his head like they have in the in the show. In the show, she's implanted into his brain, and then she like like siphons herself off to other places when she needs to talk to people. If anything, they made it more confusing because they tried to make it broad for a broader audience because it doesn't make sense. Because then all the people who do know about it are going, "What the fuck is this?" And all the people that don't know what it is are going, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm like, "I know. It's not how it is." In this day and age, when Xbox and PlayStation are so fucking um, common in households, people have played Halo. People have a rough idea of what the fuck Halo is. Why the fuck did you fuck this up? And, and that's my they scary... They don't count on people arguing about it, though, do they? That's the problem. They don't, they don't count on people who have actually played the game and wanted to watch the TV series. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone was excited who played the games for the TV series. Oh, yeah. a big screen adaptation that follows the games. And and even they were like, yeah, we're going to do our faithful kind of branding of it. And then when they got close to it, it was like, actually, it's not a faithful adaptation. It's like a, a separate universe where we follow the events loosely. And it's like, fuck off. And that, that's what annoyed Idiot. me is they didn't follow what they should have done. And this is my, my kind of uh-oh about the Bioshock film. Um, mm. Because I imagine it's going to be proper horror, and it's not a horror. It's not a horror. Uh, I don't know. Game. Bioshock's not a horror game. It's more of a... No, it's not a horror game. It's like an action-adventure with horror elements, and I I think they're going to lean yeah. into the horror. I don't know, because there's a lot of... The, the, the guy who's doing the writing seems like he's... 
I don't know if he's played the games or if he's done just a lot of research into it and the backstory of everything and stuff like that. So I don't know. Mm. But to incorporate all of the games, it would have to be a fucking long film. I, well, I don't think they're going to do... They might do like Bioshock 1 and 2 together, like, like a condensation yeah. of that, but they won't put Infinite in there. No. Because no, Infinite's a completely separate... Um... Well, it, it is, isn't it? It's it is and it isn't. Well, yeah. It all starts with a lighthouse, though. Mm. Well, that's that's the issue with Bioshock Infinite. It it's part of Bioshock lore, but it's also not in a way. Yeah. Because it's, house. Well, it's it's an alternate dimension where it bridges to that dimension because of Elizabeth. But then again, it's not part of the dimension, but it is because of Elizabeth. Yeah. 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 But then it isn't. <laughs> Because like the whole DLC at Buried at Sea is it just takes place on Rapture in that universe, and it's like, huh? Yeah, it links all together. How the um fall of Rapture happened because of the meddling of um Infinite. Yeah. That's and you find out how um Fontaine got control. Because mm. Infinite set in like the late eighteen hundreds, but uh, or early is it early or mid eighteen hundreds? And then um... uh, like eighteen something. 18-something. Well, yeah, yeah cool. the Bioshock 1 and 2 was, what, 19... 1960s. 60s, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bio... Well, uh, as you start, it's actually, uh, what's it, uh, the new year of 1960. Main time... Uh, Bioshock... Uh... Uh, okay, let's have a look at Wikipedia, what it says. Uh, so... Bioshock 1 and 2 take place in the 1960s, uh, and then Bioshock Infinite it takes place in 1912. Oh, so that's oh. a 48-year gap. Yeah, but the Columbia has been up in the sky longer than what mm. so you can get there. It's been up there since like the... Uh, it built and it launched in 1893. There you go. Um... Bioshock took place in 1960. Built in the late 1940s by business to- uh, tycoon Andrew Ryan. Uh, and then Bioshock 2, you go back, so it's like the late 60s. Or something. Mm. I need to continue my playthrough of Bioshock 2, to be fair. I'm about, I think I'd like to see about when I'm halfway through. I don't think I've actually played Bioshock 2 properly at all, because I was like... Bioshock 1 worked so well on its own, it's like, why do I need a second game? And it and it did feel very much like, in my op- opinion, it was it felt like it was a cash in, and then people go, "Oh yeah, but it's really good," and I'm like, "But no, I have played a little bit of Bioshock too because you go in and you have the female uh, big daddy that just their big sister destroy your yeah. shit all the time, and it's like, really, you you've taken us back for this because that's what happens for some reason. You're not the same character from the first game, but you go back to Rapture for some reason, and it is like uh, yeah, five weird. or ten years after the original game set. I think it was something to do with um, the Big Daddies you play as. You were the uh, the, the prototype for the first um, um, iteration of it. Uh, yeah, that makes one sense. you originally um, uh, one they originally got to um, imprint on the or the little sisters. Hmm. No, but all the other big ideas from then on were based on your um, genetic, like say genes, I suppose. Mm. Mm. But you was more um, uh, 
okay, well, of um, autonomous more thinking, should we say. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're more able to think for yourself. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being able to think of themselves, hey, uh, Dolph, this one's you. So this is from VGC. So we did speak about this a few podcasts back about the possibility of uh, Sony putting it into a bit of trouble. Essentially, we spoke about uh, this group came together like saying, "Hey, we believe Sony's overcharging board games and software and isolating the market," and that actually went got a lot of traction. And it turns out Sony is set to face a five billion pound class action lawsuit over this over the store prices. <laughs> the UK trial. <coughs> Well, again, the UK tribunal rejects Sony's bid to quash the suit, which alleges it ripped off its consumers. I mean, it did. So the class action lawsuit accusing Sony of overcharging PlayStation Store customers by up to five billion pounds or six point two seven billion dollars can proceed to trial. The UK's specialist competition court has ruled. <laughs> the lawsuit was filed in August 2022 by a consumer rights campaigner Alex Neal on behalf of 8.9 million PlayStation customers. It alleges that Sony abuses its dominant position in the market by charging excessive PlayStation store prices. The Japanese company uses its new monopoly on the sale of digital games and add-on content for PlayStation consoles to enforce strict terms and conditions on game developers and publishers, it argues. Which we do know, but it does. According to the suit, these terms enable the company to dictate the price of digital content and charge a 30% commission on every purchase, which... Quote, results in excessive and unfair prices to consumers that are out of proportion in, to the cost of Sony's providing these services to its customers, end quote. Sony has sought to quash the suit, arguing that the case was, quote, flawed from start to finish, end quote. But on Tuesday, the UK's PAT granted class representative Neil approval to go to trial with a claim against the Japanese company. Uh, so... The CAT were the people at the uh, if the, the if the UK authority didn't fucking <clears throat> didn't follow through on the activity uh, things we, it would go to, and Sony were very 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 fucking loud about how this Activision Blizzard deal wasn't going through and it shouldn't go through, and now so that got sent to the CMA and the CAT is like, hey, we're watching you now. Don't yeah. be stupid. And uh, yeah, now they're like trying to like. Play this down and, and CATL like, you know what? You really fucked around. <laughs> Time to find out. So, continuing. This is the first step in ensuring consumers get back what they're owed as a result of Sony breaking the law, said Neil. PlayStation gamers' loyalty has been taken advantage of by Sony, who have been charging them excessive prices for years. It is significant that the competition court has recognised Sony must explain its actions by ordering them to trial. With this action, we are seeking to put a stop to this unlawful conduct and ensure customers are compensated. The class includes anyone who lived in the UK and bought games or DLC through the PlayStation Store between August 19th, 2016 and August 19th, 2022, unless they chose to opt out. I I can can get in on this then. If the action is successful, it's estimated that each class member would be entitled to anywhere between £67 and up to £562 in damages plus interest. The case, which may take several years to reach a conclusion, is paid for by a third-party litigation funder and through conditional free agreements with legal advisors. So it sounds like there could be a well-lucrative case here. Mm-hmm. Basically, oh, all bo- it all boils down to, essentially, is if you want to buy a digital PlayStation good, you have to go through the store. You can't go through GOG, uh, CDPs, 
There, apparently, there is a website that will let you do PlayStation stuff at the moment, but I don't know how long that'll last. Uh, yeah, because they doesn't like um third party people selling their stuff, do they? Oh, so they don't God. get, they don't get, they don't get a um. The amount of PlayStation fanboys in the comment is r ridiculous, by the way. Like people going, it sounds like a crash, uh, a cash grab, and. Uh, some of these uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's not much it's not much different from the apple google duopoly though is it really yeah thing is uh, xbox had to slowly raise their prices to meet sony mm -hmm. eventually it became a point where they couldn't do what they were doing and you know it, it kind of makes sense they had to do that but oh, excuse me yeah uh Okay, next one is the PlayStation Portal review. Uh, I'm going to Eurogamer.net for this one. Um, so I had a look at this like a video and that before we started properly, and uh, yeah, so this is like a two hundred pound, two hundred twenty dollar fucking handheld, but it's not a handheld because you hundred percent need to be around or connected to a sleeping PlayStation Five to make this work. So, remote play is what we're saying. We're not saying it's uh, cloud play because you can't you can't really stream for it. Oh, you can't go to Netflix. You can't go to Hulu, Crunchyroll, YouTube. So from Eurogamer.net, it says PlayStation Portal. PlayStation Portal. It said Portal, and it was wrong because PlayStation Portal is um is an interesting uh. Gadget, an official Sony-designed streaming device designed for remote play with PS5. It's not a console or a gaming handheld in the traditional sense, which makes viewing it a little challenging, as the quality of experience is entirely dependent on the quality of your home network. Take on board some simple advice, and it's relatively easy to get the best out of remote play, and therefore the best out of PlayStation Portal. But there's still that sense that remote play itself isn't as good as it should be. Uh, the Journalist recommendations for optimal conditions for PlayStation Portal starts with setting up a hard link between your PS5 and your router via a cable. Like Ethernet. So already, if you can't do that, you're not going to get the best out of this PlayStation device. Nope. You see, the two steps to transfer data between the portal and the console. Firstly, the console communicates with your router, and data is beamed out over Wi-Fi to the handheld. By hardwiring the console to your router, your data is beamed out over. Uh, by hardwiring to the console, you could cut out one stage that could potentially increase latency and data loss. Secondly, you should aim to have your PlayStation uh, portal as close to your Wi-Fi router as possible for it to get the strongest signal. So hey, you you the the thoughts of going and playing it on the toilet and stuff. Yeah, forget that. Um. If you can't do all these things, the portal experience will inevitably be degraded and become less consistent uh, to a certain extent. To be clear, though, there's nothing stopping you from trying to run the portal anywhere you want within constraints set by the device. You can even access your PlayStation 5 over cellular when out and about. However, the further you get away from the console router in both real and internet space, the less optimal experience it's likely to be. Because they don't do cloud play. You may have noticed the a very wealth of experiences with the PlayStation 
portal when looking at reviews or social media posts from new owners and that may well be down to things like individual perception of latency or image quality but equally it may be down to varying levels of quality of wi-fi my advice uh, to prospective portal owners download the sony remote play app from your phone or laptop and give it a go it'll set the expectation level for experience perhaps encouraging experimentation with moving your console or router about to improve streaming consistency <clears throat> the playstation portal arrives itself in a basic box with a few frills uh the only accessory is a usb-c to usb-c cable uh you can replenish the battery with a usb charger but equally uh the cable can be used to charge it from the ps5 itself uh beyond that there's little else the manual is entirely unsatisfactory really with no explanation of how the portal works and you may improve the experience using some of the tips i've already outlined typically a console uh product from platform holder just works and maybe sony thinks it will but some may be puzzled or disappointed in the portal's results depending on the network uh setup this is no wii u gamepad which generally just works. I mean, it does generally just. I see they quoted Todd Howard there. Then it just yeah. works. <laughs> uh, the portal itself is a nice piece of kit. Fundamentally, it is a dual sense controller sliced in half with an eight-inch 1080p LCD uh, tablet placed in the middle. But these two elements separate it from other remote play contenders, as its dual sense you'll get a complete dual sense experience down to the excellent haptic and adaptive triggers. The eight-inch 1080p 60 hertz screen is typically larger than remote play experiences on a mobile phone. The display itself is uh, pleasingly bright and vibrant, nice deep color reproduction. Weak back, uh, blacks aside, it's impressive. Uh, can I also just point out your phone can do high resolutions? Because uh, most phones will do 4K these days. Uh, on the back of the unit, behind the display, you'll find a USB-C socket that seems to be for charging only, with a 3.5mm stereo jack next to it. On top, there's uh, power and pairing buttons along with volume controls. Everything else is standard dual sense. It takes about two and a half hours to charge, and you'll get circa five hours of play. But that, uh, but expect that to vary according to the intensity of haptics in the game you're playing, the brightness of the screen, and even the loudness of the speakers. Inside uh, Paul, according to uh, Sony's open source disclosure, is a Snapdragon 680 processor, decent enough. Uh, six nanometer mainstream mobile phone uh, SOC, which means that there's plenty of horsepower for basic interface, uh, plus the support for HEVC uh, video decoding at 1080 60fps. I mean, that's a lot of potential with Paul beyond streaming, but for now, streaming is all it can do, and stream from the console, by the way, and not from the cloud. Um, We've not been particularly complimentary about remote play in the past, and even now with the PlayStation Portal, I'd rate it as okay but not great. It's fine as a value-added feature of the PlayStation 5, but as a streamer, it means you're going to get extra lag and image quality compromises. With my PS5 attached to my router via Ethernet and Portal around one meter away from uh, from that, best conditions I can muster observed uh, about a four to five frame difference between gameplay uh from console hdmi versus remote play on uh portal essentially that's 60 to 80 milliseconds of extra lag compared to my lc uh my lg cx tv running with game mode enabled i trade a second router even the pc 
client running fully wired versus the PS5. Uh, yeah, via the via the router of to the PS5 couldn't acceptably change the uh, latency. It seems to be a limitation within the PS5, but who knows? Your mileage your mileage may vary. Uh, so Digital Foundries, uh, John Littleman repeated the test with his own TV using uh, the Wii U gamepad, uh, which seems to be a custom offshoot from the Miracast format designed by Nintendo in uh, collaboration with Broadcom. And um, is in the video above. Uh, remarkably, the gamepad delivered nearly identical latency to the LG TV. The gamepad itself has limitations, of course. Ultimately, uh, comparison reinforce to me the difference uh, between optimized plug-and-play experience uh, piece of console hardware and remote play, which up until now has always been a value-added feature and not a marked piece of technology. Everyone's perception of latency is different, so the PlayStation Portal may work just fine for you. Uh, if you don't have a game mode active on your TV, Portal may feel very similar. Even so, since almost all PlayStation 5 titles have 68 FPS performance modes, I'd highly recommend using them with gaming on PlayStation Portal. It'll reduce lag significantly on your console side, allowing you to claw back precious milliseconds from streaming latency and remote play the tablet brings. In terms of image quality, well, you can't capture the portal screen, but it seemingly uses standard remote play with no bespoke enhancements, and in an ideal network conditions, there's no reason to suggest you're not getting 15 megabits per second at 1080p 60 FPS HEVC uh, stream. That is remote play uh, at its top spec. I use the open source uh, remote play client Chakiki to uh, ensure I was streaming at the top quality level to my PC and I captured it by the same time capturing raw output from the PlayStation 5 set to 1080p. So with this head to head, we should be seeing remote play uh, before and after comparison. And there's a screenshot zoomer below to see the difference. Uh, first impressions aren't great. There's obviously a macro blocking and banding on the PlayStation 5 front end. The first thing you'll see when connecting the port to PS5 uh, graduated flat colors can be tricky for video streaming, but even so, better than I expected. Oh no, I expected better, sorry. Gameplay is much better. The quality can be impressive, especially when downscaled to view on the 8 inch tablet screen. Even though there is a 1 to 1 pixel match within the stream, it is not quite pristine, though, but on slower moving content, Good amount of detail is still retained, um, which in a rich game like Horizon Forbidden West, slower paced content with muted colors such as Iron Wake 2 can look very, very close to native. However, fast action and varying color is the nemesis of streaming tech, and it presents uh, on screen with a uh, subtle smearing effect. Or not so subtle, depending on how much the encoder is stressed. More obvious is Paul does seem capable of. Uh, losing frames even when the source game is not. Something that I've seen on all remote play clients. While a 60 FPS game generally presents as 60 FPS games, um, there is some stutter at points, and this occurred even in optimal conditions. In summary, I really like the PlayStation Portal hardware. It's a nice represent, uh, nice. It's nicely presented remote play device, 
but at the heart of it all, it's still remote play with its historic limitations, and I'd hope for more. Still, the full, the full DualSense experience does not set aside this apart from other remote play experiences. The haptics are just as good as standard controller, uh, as are the adaptive triggers. That's because it is a DualSense controller, basically. The on-screen is an OLED class loveliness. Uh, by a, have a few complaints with it. It's bright, vibrant, and attractive. However, in the best case scenario, it seems to be frame dropping issues on the device. Lag will be an issue for those sensitive to it, and due to the basic nature of streaming itself, image quality will be variable. On top of that, ensuring your Wi-Fi setup is auto, uh, optimal for Paul in all places you want to use it. Uh, oh man, this is fucking wordy. Uh, <clears throat> there are so clearly big misses in terms of feature set. In addition to the mystifying lack of Bluetooth head uh, uh, headset support, <clears throat> only Sony's wireless system is supported. First of all, PlayStation Portable Portal should be cloud streaming. Uh, it's a no-brainer and would add a bit more value rather than an expensive top-tier PlayStation Plus subscription offering. Why isn't this included already is frankly baffling. Secondly, a mode to yours, use your highly expensive DualSense with a screen as an actual local DualSense controller seems like an oversight. I'd like to see actual diagnostic tools uh, that can be used to optimize your network for the best possible portal experience. Right now, the device just automatically assumes everything is fine, with only the most minimal of warnings when the image quality crashes and like makes everything unplayable. Finally, there's the concept of fan service. A brilliant value-added feature the, would be to emulate pro, uh, prior Sony handhelds and maybe the PS1. Perhaps with that's a little niche for today's Sony, but there's no reason why it could not be done. The hardware itself is clearly capable of more than uh, the portal delivers. Ultimately, I'm impressed with the PlayStation Portal hardware, but I don't feel remote play is good enough or robust enough to support a hardware launch of this scale. However, if you disagree, that's absolutely fine. The diversity of opinion on this launch has been fascinating. Thankfully, only the existence of a plethora of existing apps across many systems. It's easy to test how good remote play is before you lay down your money. On the hardware side, Sony has delivered a good piece of kit, but hopefully we'll see improvements and new features added further down the line. And this is one of the guys who does Digital Foundry, so... He is very wordy, but it's very tech-focused. He really does put Quite the... Quite tech-savvy, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd want the portal to do well, because if there's anything we're lacking this generation, really, it's handheld. Yeah, but it's not a handheld. That's, that's the issue. It's not a handheld. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a wannabe handheld. We, we need some more handhelds, to be fair. It's a screen. It, it's a screen yeah. and a controller. That you can't yeah. use the controller as a controller. You have to use it as a screen. Nope. So, already, one of the features that you'd expect it to do, you'd expect it just to work as a controller to your TV without having the screen connected and using it as remote play. No, you've got to use it as remote play. So, that already makes one feature of your controller redundant the fact that it's a controller you can't just use it as a controller then the fact that for the best setup you've got to plug everything into your router which i mean i can do that and i could play with my 
portal, if I had a portal in a PlayStation 5, I could play with that next to my router because everything is next to my router in my house that I do gaming and stuff on. So Me, however, my router's downstairs and my stuff's upstairs. Yeah. So I would I mean, get... I could run a uh, 30, 40 meter Ethernet cable down there, but that's just too much of a hassle. But it also probably costs as much as the fucking uh, actual device you're going to try and use it for, so it's not really worth it. I, it doesn't... It, none of it kind of makes sense from a, a point of view. I like A lot of people wanted them to bring out a mobile gaming console. And what they brought out was a glorified way to play the games when you can't use your TV. And it's not that good. Any remote play, like I've done remote play on the on the on the Xbox. Uh-huh. You can't do it for like first person shooters and stuff because the lag is too big. The latency is too big. But you can play well, It also depends on your Wi Fi though, I would have thought as well. Yeah, but you can play Elite Dangerous and stuff. Like I've I've, I've done I've done um I've done Monster Hunter for, uh, for remote play. It's it works. I mean, they you do get a little stutter here and there, but you can do it with uh, more action intensive games. Yeah, I mean, it's all depends all depend on your Wi Fi though. Yeah, you will see the more stuttering and stuff though, like the more high, like. High I mean, computers. I I, I I dare try to uh, remote play on my old Wi Fi because that would not have fucking worked. Oh, no, it, it would shit the pants. Uh, I mean, I did try using remote play on the old Wi-Fi, but I just kept, I kept, kept dropping every couple of minutes. Yeah. Whereas I, I consistently, when I was doing the carrier grind back on Xbox, I would sit on my sofa with uh, a tablet that had, like, all the stuff to play remote play on. It even had, like, a shell you could put the it, the tablet in, and it had, like, controllers for an Xbox on it. And I would mm-hmm. literally just sit on the sofa, and I'd just mine for, like, three hours on the sofa. I had it plugged into the power, so it was always on power. Uh, I had everything like connected as best I could, and I still got like frame tearing, and I still got drops, and quality would dip. But um, it was playable. Just it wasn't amazing, but it was playable. But yeah, if I'd played Call of Duty on it, I'd have been frustrated because the the response time, and I have decent internet, and I have a like all hardwired, so that's the best way to play it. I I would not recommend playing a first person shooter on any remote play, not this generation, because no. there is not enough um infrastructure in there to make that run properly. Cloud gaming really depends on the device you're using and the latency. I think it also depends on the uh, servers you're connecting to as well. Yeah, if you have like gigabit internet and you have like a very small ping then yeah that probably will work almost one to one it'll be very limit well very limited issues with it but that's not what the playstation portal is doing playstation portal is remote playing so that has the inherent issues of if you have a weaker wi-fi uh router or you have an older router it's going to struggle because it doesn't push through what it needs you can have like a top whack one and still have issues with it. So it definitely uh definitely needs looking at better. So yeah, that's my issues with it. I don't I don't think it's um not there yet. They they spent two hundred pounds 
because that's how much it costs 200 pounds and if you want the the wireless earphones that work with it that's another 200 pounds by the way um to bring out a piece of kit that isn't really needed they have razor like uh handheld like docks that you put your phone in that will do streaming and remote play uh through your phone and your phone generally will have a higher uh quality screen so it should in theory push a high quality image so for them to bring out an lcd screen that's 1080p when most phones are oled these days mm. you, you kind of i don't know especially when you're paying 200 pounds like for another 30 yeah, exactly. or 40 pounds you can just buy a switch yeah I, I don't know. I, I feel like Sony is making some really silly, silly decisions at the moment, and it's not really going very well. Um, Alright, well, what the fuck did Kev post next? Because I saw this on my Yeah, it was the Yorkshire T controllers. This has um, been a bit of an interesting read, actually. Hmm. So, read this going one. back to videogameschronicle.com, or BGC, uh, Yorkshire T is selling... £150 controllers for both the PS5 and the Xbox Series Why? consoles. Hmm. The controllers will come with a certificate of authentication. Oh. The controllers, which have been designed by Pop E Art, cost £150 each and come in a special box with a certificate of authentication. Designing the controllers emulates a box of Yorkshire tea. Picture the scene. A description from the controller reads, You're facing down a boss with three heads and a hammer as big as a truck. Armed with nothing but a rusty sword you let that you have looted from a guard. Gulping, you look down at the controller in your hands, wondering if victory is even possible. And you see it. The reassuring brand of your favourite tea. Yes, you say to yourself. I can do this. But it's not PG tips, so I'm not going to look down and go... <laughs> you begin the fight and immediately one-shotted. You're clearly way too level for this, low level for this area. On behalf of Yorkshire Tea, we would like to apologise for this and any other in-game mishaps caused by the powerful feeling of self-belief our controller will fill you with. The mm. E controller features a custom button set on a and a soft touch finish. A standard dual sense mm. controller has a retail price of sixty pounds, but can often be found significantly cheaper. The standard extra controller has a retail mm. price of fifty five pounds and can also be found cheaper. It's unclear how many of these controllers have been produced. However, Yorkshire T claims that the items are a limited edition. Why the fuck would you want one? People are weird. They like shit like that. It's, it's okay, like so the fucking Greg stuff came out in fucking Primark, where you could basically head to toe yourself in Greg's branded shit. I'm sure they still sell it. Oh, they still do. So, so why? Just why the fuck is that so, an idea? Just one of the comments. Oh yeah, no, I can look at Greg. No, you're just like an idiot. You're like a cunt. Fuck off. So one of the comments, this might not be everyone's cup of tea. <coughs> yes, I went there. But I think they're on one of the better novelty issues they've seen. Novelty, uh-huh. Mm, mm. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't fucking think. It's, uh... People buy it. I've very recently been introduced to Yorkshire tea, and it's delicious. Anyway, these controllers are too expensive. Ten to twenty pounds premium over the standard price, maybe, but this is taking the this is taking the Michael. They'll be they'll be for sale on like Sheen no. and Team and Wish next week. I, I do I do agree, I do agree with that though. One hundred fifty pounds for a controller when 
you know you can probably get free for the same price that a non-novelty. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I can understand if the controllers went for like say eighty pound, maybe. Also, for one hundred and fifty-nine pounds, you could buy an elite controller from Xbox. Ooh. Mm, with all the bells and whistles. And you know, for <sighs> just over two hundred quid, you could buy the 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 Sony version. Anyway, <laughs> no one gives a yeah. shit. Okay, where was this one? Uh, I think this was mine, wasn't it? Gaming.com. Yes. So you got this or shall I go for it? Uh, so, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake is dead. We heard about this a while ago. It's official. Or, you know, um, told to be dead. So, the Republic remake is dead. At least that's what Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb had to say Friday morning during his uh, Game Mess morning show. I just want to clear it up. The game has not been worked on right now, Grubb said, around the 57-minute mark. Just full stop. This game has not been worked on in any way at any studio. Originally announced back in 2021, the Knights of the Old Republic remake, uh, I'm going to call it Code Tour from now on, the easiest, uh, has been through development turmoil from the start. It was first developed by Aspire Media before Embracer Group shifted the game over to Saber Interactive in August 2022. During the show, Grubb mentioned that the game may have been moved away from Saber Interactive as well. Since the announcement of moving away from Aspire, nothing has been said to anyone involved about the state of the game. The only thing that happened recently is the scrubbing of it from social media uh, and YouTube by Sony removing mentions of the game. Even during quarterly calls, Embracer failed to confirm the game was still making progress. Uh, I noticed that anything I had to say, uh, what I noticed that anything I say to this becomes a headline. So that's only my comment. Embracer uh, CEO Lars uh, Wingfors said during the most recent earning calls on Thursday. Sadly, Gaming reached out to Embracer and Saber for comment. The state of the uh, of the game requests have not yet received response from publishing. Well, I was kind uh, of looking forward to um, Code If it so, ever actually did come over to all platforms, though. Yeah. So apparently, um, I think at the most is three people working on it, from what I heard. But, Oof. Yeah, and so it's, it's dead in the water, essentially. And it's, I mean, yeah, no, but it's, it's what you call it, should it be, uh, should it be brought back, don't know, but Embrace Group shut down a lot of fucking studios and shit. Yep. Uh, Volition, who made Saints Row, has gone, um, and like many other good studios have been like shut and let go. Um, so it's it's not unfeasible to see that there there was issues, and I think <clears> that the fact is because I think it originally was an Xbox and PC exclusive, Knights of the Old Republic, for it to be a Sony yeah. exclusive, Xbox really do have the right to go. Ah, hang on a minute, nah, nah, nah. So What's that's up? probably, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Xbox have got the right to say, hey, no, no, what the fuck? We paid for the original. Uh, what the fuck are you doing? 
We have the rights to the original. Could be illegal. So if you're making the remake, fuck you. Mm. If you don't give it to our console. That's speculation about it, isn't it? I it wouldn't is speculation, say it's... but um, I mean, it wouldn't be far past it. You know, Sony are very shady with their back alley deals. You don't know really what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it could be that it's happening. Um, which would actually make more sense. Sony have gone to try and make it exclusive for their consoles. Xbox, I'm like, hang on a minute. This this was our exclusive. What the fuck are you doing? We haven't given you rights to the the, uh, the licensing. We still own rights to it. Because uh-huh. we made the original deal. Uh, you either pay us a lot of money or fucking put it on our console. And then Sony will be like, no, fuck you. And it's okay. It's cancelled then. Uh-huh. It would make sense that that would be the way it goes. But this is me speculating. There's no... Hard evidence for me to make that. This is just me having a, a an educated guess say, with how Sony works and how Microsoft are really like get fucked at the moment to uh, Sony because Sony really have put Microsoft through the ringer in the past couple of years with the whole Activision Blizzard deal and uh, slowing that down to a snail's pace. So I, I think this is the the year of um, Sony finding out. They done fucked around. Now they do find out. And um, I, I feel like Knights of the Old Republic could be a casualty of that because it's definitely a rights thing. Because LucasArts obviously own the property of the game, but the original games were Bioware and Xbox. So. Uh, it, I don't think I don't think it ever came out on PlayStation. I'm gonna have to Google this. I can't remember, sure. unfortunately. Oh shit! Uh, oh. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Royal Public was a media franchise of space western roleplay games created by developer Bioware, which have seen releases on the original Xbox, Xbox 360, Windows, uh, OS, Xbox One, Series X, and Android. It did come out on uh, Twitch recently as well. Yeah, it never had a release on the original PlayStation, which is what I thought. So it was definitely a, uh, a, a an exclusive for Microsoft. So it does make kind of sense that they're uh, they could go. Hang on a minute, we still have rights to this because they probably do. And nobody would blame them if they did. Yeah. If they've still got the rights to it, then fuck them. Because, I mean, that that could be the thing. And then Sony's like, well, well, we tried to bring it out, but uh, Microsoft said no. And it's like, well, yeah, but you also didn't did it behind them. <laughs> so. Er. Anyway, let's move on to the last topic of the evening so we can all go and dine. Yeah, so I've popped the link into the Discord so you can read along. So this is from Polygon.com. We have a release date for Dragon Dogs, Dog, yeah, Dragon's Dogma 2. What about Dragon's Drogma 2? I don't know. Probably doesn't exist yet. Drogma. <laughs> so, Dragon's Dogma 2 arrives March 2024, and it looks fantastic. 
It will be released on March 22nd next year, reviving Capcom's sword and sorcery action RPG franchise after a decade-long break. Damn. Capcom Ooh. revealed the release date and new gameplay details during a digital showcase on Tuesday, so that was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Hideaki Izuno, director of Dragon's Dogma 2, and Yoshiaki Hirabayashi, the game's producer, showed off new features coming in the sequel. So glad I didn't read that includes... This. Second? So glad I didn't read this. <laughs> that includes a huge new addition to the bestiary, the Talos, a massive brass warrior who emerges from the sea. Developers showed varying approaches to taking the Talos down, believing onto it from a cliff's edge and fighting it while holding on for dear life, a la Shadow of the Colossus style. Riding birds towards the Talos to close the distance to it and attacking it from afar using ranged weapons and spells. Capcom also showed off a new vocation, the Trickster. That Arisen-only character class can use a sensor in battle to conjure illusions, causing enemies to fight each other, and to support a player's pawn to make them more effective in battle. The Trickster, a devious vocation, can manipulate the battle from the sidelines rather than fight directly. The Trickster joins Dragon Dogma's two previously confirmed vocations, Fighter, Archer, Thief, Mage, Magic Archer, and Mystic Spearhand. Capcom also showed off its update character creation, which players can use to customize their Risen and main pawn. Developer is using new photogrammetry technology to increase the photorealism of Dragon Dogma's two player creation avatars. Photogrammetry is really good. Um, yeah. You, you see it in like new Call of Duty and stuff where they literally go out and photograph like scenery and then it works on a mesh so you, you put down. Things so it's a bit, it's a bit like um, a bit like the SMIM mobs on uh, Skyrim, then essentially uh, static mesh. Kind of, in, but in not. like it. It's like um, so you could like put a forest in a place, and it'll be real world trees scanned into the game, so all the textures look real, and then you just build up how you want it to look around it. Um, okay. I think the Vanishing of Ethan Carter's got one of the best examples of it because it just. It it looks fucking real. Or uh, everyone's gone to the Rapture has another really good version of it, where it's handcrafted but using the photogrammetry assets. So, like this village you walk through, looks like you're walking through a real village almost, and um, that's just because of the way they built the the tech. So. It's not like just placing uh, an old, like, texture on a mesh. There's a like a, a, a really like new way of doing it uh, that gives it texture and stuff. That's why like, the new Call of Duty games look really impressive because they do use photogrammetry for their uh, level designs and stuff. Mm. Okay, carry on. Sorry, Give you a bit of insight in that. Cool. Uh, continuing. Uh, finally, developers also teased a bit of the game's story, which they said was set in a world parallel to that of the original Dragon's Dogma. As an Arisen, players will find themselves caught between the beliefs and plots of two rival nations. Vermont, the human kingdom, is at the centre of the power struggle for the throne, while with a false Arisen, as stilled by the Queen, Regent Lisa. In Batal, the humanoid beasts there treat pawns as a source of misfortune, but both nations view the dragon as a threat to their survival. Drag Dog 2 is coming to PlayStation 5, Windows PC, and Xbox Series X. The original Drag's Dogma can was released on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 in 2012, followed by the expansion Dark Revision the following year. So, see, I never played Dragon's Dogma, so this is all. Um, it's 
it's mm, I don't, it's hard to describe. Um, obviously, it's, it's obviously from Capcom, so it's got a bit of um, it's a bit. I like to say dark soulsy, but not really. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a multitude of enemies. You know, some enemies you can clamber upon. You know, for example, you got a chimera, which is the part goat, part lion, part snake. Yeah. And each part of the body will either, well, the lion will do the most damage. The goat will cast magic, and the snake will cast um, poison. So you can obviously straight away take off the snake. Uh, knock out the snake and then you can go deal with the um, goat to, to drop his magics and then just focus solely on the lion's head mm. you've got cyclops where you know you can either um, grab onto the legs and keep hacking at them until they fall over or you can keep blasting them in the face with an arrow in the, in the eye there's a there's an ogre which you can make stumble if, it, if, you, if it lunges at you and, you and it misses while it's regaining its footing, if you grab onto it, it'll fall over. Yeah. Uh, harpies, you know, they're weak against fire. If you shoot them and if you set the feathers of blaze, they'll fall to the ground and you can just need to go ham with melee. Mm, wolves hunting packs. Yeah, I'll just close on there. But yeah, it's, it's not a bad game, to be fair. It's, it's hard if you're not used to that kind of game. Hmm. I mean, obviously, obviously, started picking it up again because I was like, "Oh, you know, oh, I want to play this again." I played it for a while. And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of suck at this game the way because I can't remember fucking things." But yeah, there's, there's, there is fast travel, but it's not really available until you start getting port crystals, and you need a um like a ferry stone to go around. And I think, if memory serves, there's only six port crystals in the game. And that's essentially your fast travel. Yeah. Otherwise, it's Oh, there's a mountain over there. Let's go walk to it. Hope I don't, hope I don't die on the way over there. So I'm looking up photogrammetry and stuff. So the new Modern Warfare games have photogrammetry. So that's why yep. it looks so realistic. Um, and it's because it's a high-resolution way of capturing uh, environmental um, assets and stuff by scanning them in uh-huh. to the... Um, into like a, a a buffer and then like I said like texture mapping them onto a 3D asset. So if they've got like a picture of a villa, they'll just make that villa again and wrap the model around it, and then it looks like the actual place it well it was. And I must admit, the Modern Warfare games look really fucking good. Um, the the remake ones, not the remake ones, but the 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 reboot ones. Yeah. Uh, can I also just point out that Modern Warfare 3, the reboot, is fucking something else. It's It was an okay campaign, I didn't like the ending. The ending was bullshit, and they're going to completely continue it through Warzone, which will piss off a lot of people. Because, um, spoiler alert, Soap dies again. Never. But, oh, no. he dies in a really shit way in this one. So, Near the end of the game, you're defusing a bomb that's under in the Euro Tunnel, uh, midway between France and London, and you're fighting off hordes of uh, Makarov's men while you're trying to defuse the bomb. So you're like, you're actively doing it, and you're having to jump out and shoot people. <clears throat> Makarov comes up while you and Soap, because you're playing as Price, uh, trying to defuse it, 
Um, he knocks Soap to the ground, uh, knocks you to the ground, goes to shoot you, Soap stabs him in the neck, and then gets shot in the head while he's fighting him off. Makarov runs away with a knife in his uh, after pulling a knife out of his neck and escapes. Uh, and Soap is dead, dead. There's no, like, uh, fanfare or any way to, like, re- like pay, pay attention to his death. It's like, you have to defuse this bomb. Everyone, everything in-game tells you this bomb needs to be defused straight away. So you don't have time to go, holy shit, Soap's dead. In the original Modern Warfare trilogy, you spent three games playing as Soap, to some degree. <clears throat> So you got an affinity for that character. You got attached to that character. In the end of the second game, he gets stabbed in the chest. In the third game, he survives uh, up until there's an explosion that kicks him and Yuri out of a a tower and it opens up his wounds. So he dies because of the explosion. Um, But you get to have this moment of Price and Soap before he dies. You actually get them interacting with each other before he dies. And there is a moment for them to mourn his death. There isn't that in the remake. And Soap didn't come into the remake until Modern Warfare 2. And he really wasn't fleshed out nearly as much as he was in the original trilogy. So his death is kind of a bit, what the fuck? And then they do like a, oh, spread his ashes in the Scottish Islands. And then credits. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? For the third game in the series of this like reboot timeline... They didn't wrap up the main plot of the game. So they're either going to make a fourth game or they're going to run it through Warzone, which no one really fucking gives a shit about. Or the seasons in the Call of Duty, which no one really gives a shit about. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, if you play single player, you'll enjoy the story more than you enjoy the multiplayer. And if you don't play the the, uh, the single player none of that makes any sense to you or means anything to you anyway. So all these like pre-rendered high looking quality uh, cutscenes and shit just mean fuck all to the average multiplayer COD uh, person. They just want to shoot things. So yeah, I'm having bought Modern Warfare 3 because I'm like, yeah, it's got all the old maps from Modern Warfare 2 in it and that I'm I've really not played it that much. And I do want to play some more, but um, I'm just kind of pissed off that the, the campaign was such a wet fart in the end. It was like trying to do Halo 2, but it didn't have any of the, the, the weight and gravitas that Halo 2 did. And Halo yeah. 2 ended the way it did because they ran out of time. Call of Duty didn't. They, they, they have like a three-year release schedule, for fuck's sake. So for this to drop as a wet fart, and it wasn't Infinity War that released this one, by the way. It was um, the other Ravensoft. No, Sledgehammer. It was mm. Sledgehammer's game, Modern Warfare 3. So it's not even Infinity War that released this one. So, uh, yeah. Felt like a bit of a wet fart in the end. I feel like if Infinity War had done it, they might have changed up the narrative a bit better. But it wasn't their turn to release a game and they really wanted to release a Modern Warfare game. I don't know why. But, um, yeah. Bit meh. It went, actually, it should have been Infinity War, because Vanguard was Sledgehammer, 
Then it was Black Ops Cold War, and then it should have been Modern Warfare 3. Yeah, I don't know why it's not Infinity Ward, but apparently it's not. I don't know. Fucking. That, that's the issue with, with gaming today. It's like, they redo shit, and then they don't do it right. The only exception would be the Resident Evil 4 remake is fucking phenomenal. It doesn't play how you remember it, but that doesn't matter because it plays really well. The story beats are still there. The The whole plot of the game is relatively the same. The only differences is they fleshed out some characters more, they they didn't flesh out some other characters, they left them into later on. Uh and it makes more sense. I feel like the, the remake universe of Resident Evil works better if you do kind of mess with the the overall story, but you keep the, the plot the same. That makes sense. Yeah. Um But yeah, this this Modern Warfare reboot. Um, they tried to make Gaz the main character, and this Gaz is not the same Gaz from the original Modern Warfare uh, trilogy. And the original Gaz died at the end of the original Modern Warfare uh, Call of Duty Four. So, um, yeah, I don't know. All right, I'm I'm done ranting. Yes. Um. Nothing else to add to relate to that. I think you pretty much summed it up all pretty efficiently. Hmm. I, I mean, I I think that the Modern Warfare reboot games are good, but just they don't they're not the same as the originals. The originals were were so well written. Yeah. Modern Warfare Two comes out as one of my favorite ones of all time. Three is a very good conclusion, although I didn't like the the gameplay, the multiplayer gameplay kind of sucked ass, and it felt a bit different. Actually, Call of Duty 4 would be my weakest one of the four, but that's just because it was the first one. Having jumped in on number two first for the campaign, um, 4 felt weaker, but that's because it didn't have the improvements of Modern Warfare 2. Still, good games, though. And then they've jumped on the, the bandwagon of Let's release a reboot of these and use the same name because everyone really loved the original ones and then everyone's going okay thanks for this why but um yeah it's annoying because like they don't even kill ghost off there's no roach uh yori is literally in a cut scene uh and that's all his involvement is in the game yori appears in modern warfare 3 as a guy in a back room of a russian embassy or Two minutes and has about 10 lines of dialogue that is his involvement in the game uh they bring back people that was supposedly killed off at the end of the second game with no explanation and yeah i'm gonna stop ranting about it because i can carry on but it's just i don't know i feel like the quality of the game could have been better. It feels like it was probably rushed out the door, and um, you can watch any review online about the impact of storytelling and how this didn't have any impact compared to the original trilogy, especially Soap's death scene, because the game refuses to let you have any real moment to mourn his death. Mm. And that's 
kind of a shitter. <clears throat> Rather than like it give you the moment to be like, oh shit, he's dead. Um, he just drops. You see him go down, and you go no, and then get up, shoot at Makarov, who's injured but still runs away, fully armored, runs away with uh, a fucking neck wound for, for having like a a combat knife stabbed into his neck, and he gets away. <laughs> it's bullshit. Um, and then you have to defuse the bomb, and then. Afterward, it's like, yeah, he's he's dead, and that's it. You you don't get that big moment of Price legitimately upset because he lost one of his friends. It's a very like, oh, he's dead. Uh, we got one death, and then that's it. Puts to a cutscene of them spreading his ashes. And he wasn't coming back from it because he got shot in the head. So it's not like he could have been injured like he was. What's all going on about it? <laughs> like he could be injured when he was like in Modern Warfare 2, the original. He got stabbed in the chest. So whether he lived or died was 100% uh, up to chance. And what ultimately killed him was because he was still recovering when um, the explosion hit him. So it ripped all his stitches open and made him bleed out. Mm-hmm. So that was the impact and the weight. He was still fighting even though he wasn't 100%. In the remake, you don't get any of that kind of uh, weight or consequence. I think he got like clipped in Modern Warfare 2 and you play like a, a mission where you are without weapons. You have to craft like knives and distractions and stuff to take down enemies. And you're weak as hell. You can't run. You can't climb because I think you get shot in the arm. You can only do things like one-handed. And... um yeah, it doesn't have the same weight. None of it had the same weight that it does. If you play the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare games, you'll see the weight of character death in the in those. You play the remake, and it's like, uh, oh, okay. Why, I guess. And uh, and with that, I'm going to pass it over to you, Dolph, to wrap up. Yeah, okay. So if you want to send me a message, you can reach me on Twitter at Dolphin Rapture. I'll entertain most questions, not, not religious, political, or racist. Don't be a dick about it. If you want to send a message to Bob's, you can reach him also on Twitter at Richie underscore Coop. Same kind of questions. Don't be a dick about it. And of course, if you want to send a message to Loz, you can reach him on Twitter as well at LozG1985 or wherever the fuck you may find it. If you also have a question for our other Spartans, uh, you can reach out to them on our Twitter handle style for the Spartans of Pajamas podcast at SIP Podcast Crew, Big S, Small I, Big P, all lowercase podcast crew. And that's all she wrote, I think. Yeah. All right, so that was episode 142 of the Spartans in Pajamas podcast. I was very ranty because I'm very ill and I got. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd like to thank you all for coming along and listening to us. Uh, it was a shorter podcast than usual. Uh, we usually go for at least an hour and a half. We're tickling just over now. Um, usually, actually, it's more like a two hour affair minimum. Uh, but. We really didn't find that much to talk about between podcasts, and 
That'll probably all change in a fortnight, you know, when it's um, not the game. Um, when we can start getting to the Christmas season. Yep. Well, what was it? Speaking of Fortnite, the uh, a bigger it's like time travel event thing wraps up on Saturday. So. Oh, the um, OG thing. Yeah. Big Bang event, it's called. It's coming up. Because uh, basically the island's got reset back to 2018 and all the events of the thing are slowly happening. But it's to do with how they sent somebody back with the time machine and as he's moving the time machine to where he needs to be, it's kind of pulling time forward uh, in certain areas of the uh, map. So like certain events are happening. Like at the moment on that map, the meteorite that uh, struck the map and changed it mm-hmm. is uh, currently in the sky. Okay. Uh, again. Uh, it's cool though. It's cool to relive some of the old like seasons through this um like filter of things are happening because like all old weapons and that keep turning up that were in previous seasons that got faulted and stuff which is cool um yeah so we should have some more information on that hopefully next week find out if anything crazy has happened or not um mm-hmm. yeah this has been episode 142 with spartans and pajamas podcast uh, I have been your host, and I would like to thank you all for coming and listening to us tonight, and we'll see you all next time. Good night. Goodbye.